free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building. At the Banks, St Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. You won't find this hard to believe, but I'm no tennis player, okay? You're supposed to say, yeah, we do find that very hard to believe. I'm no tennis player, but when I was younger, I did dabble with playing squash, okay? And um, I learned two very important things to try and improve my game when I was playing squash. One of the things I learned was this. The more I played, the more I practiced playing squash, the more effective I became, the better I became at it. Yeah, it's kind of a given. The second thing that I learned was that if I followed the advice of my coach, I also got better, all right? And I listened to what he had to say and the different techniques and the different things that I had to do. Now, if I picked up a racket now, I'd be absolutely ridiculous, but I was all right then. (laughs) But those two things, if I played more and I practiced and if I listened to the words of my coach who's cheering me on, then I would do better. I don't think there's any professional tennis player or any sportsman or sportswoman, whatever their field is of expertise, whatever, wherever they are, that I don't think there's anyone that would disagree that they shouldn't practice hard, okay, but that they need to practice. And also, I think that they would agree that they need a coach. Okay, so when you look at these professional tennis players that are out there, and I'll probably watch a bit more today, whatever, but when you look at them and watch them, you think, you see the coach, don't you, in the box, cheering them on at the sideline, guiding them, training them, supporting them. So this got me thinking that our life, our Christian journey, is a little bit like Wimbledon. Okay, stay with me. Okay, I'm not advocating that we all start wearing white and that we all become professional tennis players and, you know, we grunt a lot, but... If we compare it to the Christian life and our Christian journey and our walk with God, we know that we will thrive and we will flourish more in our Christian journey the more that we partake in the things of the Spirit. The more we do, the more we allow the Spirit in our lives, the more we get involved with the Spirit, the better our Christian life will become. And not only is it moving with the things of the Spirit and practicing the things of the Spirit, but also if we allow the Spirit to guide us and to speak to us, if we listen to what the Spirit is saying. Kind of like the tennis player, knowing that they have to practice really hard and they have to listen to their coach. I think it's a little bit like that on our Christian journey. The Holy Spirit is a little bit like the coach of our lives. He's there to help us. He's there to guide us. He's there to give us wisdom. He's there to reveal things to us. And more than anyone, he's on the sidelines cheering us on and supporting us and wanting us to go deeper and further. And it's the Holy Spirit who will inspire us to do great things, who will inspire us to love and will inspire us to praise and will inspire us to be joyful and to worship. That's my little link with the strawberries. (laughs) 
The Holy Spirit is like the coach of our life. And if we listen to what he's doing, and if we listen to him, he will guide us and help us and support us. What we need to remember is this. The Spirit is on our side. The Spirit is with us. Okay, not in everything. Like, if you decide to do something completely wrong, I'm not saying the Spirit's going, yeah, brilliant, well done, I'm on your side. Okay, I'm not saying that, all right? But ultimately... He's on our side. The Spirit is closer to us than anyone could ever be. The Spirit is closer to us than anyone. Anything that we could ever imagine. Keith Warrington said he's like our spiritual bodyguard. I love that idea. That the Holy Spirit is like our spiritual bodyguard. And it's his life's work to walk closely with us from the moment we have given our lives to Christ, from the moment we make that decision, it's the Holy Spirit's work to come into our life and walk closely with us right up until the point he presents us to the Father God. He champions us. He's on our side. He's with us. He's committed to us. He's so committed to you, he will never stop being with you. Never. The Holy Spirit will never walk away from you. Ever. He's with you. From the moment you made that decision... And that is why St. Paul, in his writings, is so adamant that we don't hurt the Holy Spirit and that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when we sin and when we do stuff wrong, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. The Holy Spirit is still with us when we're doing whatever we shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave. So when we sin and when we do things wrong... We don't do it against the rules. We don't do it against the law. (laughs) Lord, protect them. We don't sin against the rules and law. We sin against a friend. Because the Holy Spirit is ever with us and in us. So he doesn't walk away. So whatever we're doing in our lives, whatever it is, If it's wrong, if it's not what the Spirit wants us to be doing, we hurt the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but it's much easier to break a rule or do something wrong when nobody gets affected. But as soon as you do something or you make a decision or you do something wrong and it hurts somebody, it's really hard then to to bear that, isn't it? When you've done something and you know you've upset somebody else. And I think that's what St. Paul was writing to us. You know, the Spirit's with you, so when you do stuff wrong... You're going to hurt him. Because he's on your side and he won't leave you. And we were looking at that a little bit last week. I was talking about the fact that the Spirit enables us to live a righteous life. Allowing the Spirit to guide us. The Spirit walking with us means that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh when we have the Spirit, when we're living by the Spirit, when we're moving by the things of the Spirit. Let's have a look at Galatians 5. Sorry, Tim, could you just put that up on the PowerPoint? If you've got your Bibles, turn to the Galatians 5, 16 to 18. And it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, you read that and you could see that Paul, 
Thank you, that's great. Paul was saying two commandments. Walk by the Spirit, keep walking by the Spirit, and don't gratify the desires of the flesh. But actually, it's more likely, and in this translation with Greek grammar, that what he's saying is a command and a promise. He's saying, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. It's not walk by the Spirit and don't do that. It's kind of like when you are so moving in the Spirit, when you're so attentive to the Spirit, when you're so in tune with the Spirit and aware of the Spirit in your life, it will stop you gratifying the desires of the flesh. It's like I was saying last week about the difference of believing in God and obeying Him to actually knowing Him and wanting to please Him because you know who it is you're pleasing. See, when we continue to be guided by the Spirit, we will naturally develop a lifestyle that is not dominated by sin. The law points us in the right direction. Okay, The rules and the law point us in the right direction, but it is the Spirit that enables us to actually reach the destination. The law can point us to the right things, but it is the Spirit that will help us and enable us. But the Spirit is far more than just a guide to righteous living. And as I was talking about last week, the Spirit for us is a guide for us in all things, in all areas of our lives. Let me tell you a story of a famous field. You might have heard of this before. It's called Yates's Pool. And during the Depression, this field was a sheep ranch. It was a sheep ranch owned by a man named Yates. And Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operation to pay the principal and interest on the mortgage. So he was in danger of losing his ranch. With little money for clothes or food, his family had to live on the government subsidy. Day after day, as he grazed his sheep over the rolling West Texas hills, he was no doubt greatly troubled about how he would pay his bills, how he would keep his family going. Then, a crew from an oil company came into the area and told him there might be oil on his land. So they asked permission to drill a well and he signed a lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many subsequent wells were more than twice as large. And in fact, 30 years after the discovery, a government test of one of the wells showed it still had the potential flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. The day he purchased the land, he had received the oil and the mineral rights. And yet, he'd been living in poverty. He'd been been living on relief. A multimillionaire living in poverty. The problem? He didn't realise. He didn't know. He didn't know that there was oil. He didn't know he owned it. Apparently, every day, we take about 26,000 breaths, which is about 14,000 litres of air. We should be breathing from our stomachs and not our chests, but... Life's busy, we get distracted, we get stressed. And so often we do end up breathing from our chests. Experts say this, that from our breathing we should get 99% of our energy 
but they say that most of us only access 10% to 20% of that energy. But with everything going on around us and in the day-to-day life, I don't know about you, I don't think much about my breathing. It just kind of happens. Interestingly, in the Bible, the word for breathe is the same as spirit. In Hebrew, the word is ruah, and in the Greek, it's pneuma. Breathe. Spirit. Same words. It's interesting. Breathing is what keeps us alive. The breath in our lungs. We've just been singing about it, funnily enough. And just as breathing keeps us alive physically, so the spirit flowing through our lives keeps us alive spiritually. It keeps us going on this journey of faith. Breathing should give us 99% of our energy, but we only access 10 to 20% of it. The spirit in our lives flowing through us will be our everything, will be all that we need. It will be our all in all. But how many of us only ever really tap into 10 to 20% of what the spirit is wanting to do and wanting to show us and wanting to take us? Like Mr. Yates, We live with such great wealth. We live with so much. We have the spirit in our lives flowing through us. A great source. But how often do we not go and draw from the well that is within? How often do I go round my busy life, distracted, stressed, worried, confused, all these things, forgetting that I have the life flow in my body. I have the spirit with me, always on my side, the great coach of my life, spurring me on, cheering me on, wanting the best for me, wanting to take me into great things of God, wanting to show me more. Am I ever like Mr. Yates, unaware of the power of the Spirit within me, tapping into just a small percentage when God wants everything? Let's have a little look at Exodus 3. And a well-known story, Moses and the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3. I was sharing a little bit about this on Wednesday evening at our prayer meeting because it was going on in my head. So forgive me for those who might have already heard this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Bit odd really, isn't it? Can you imagine? Anyway. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Forty years Moses had been in Midian, tending the flock. Forty years walking around that land, back and forward, all the time, and suddenly... The ground is holy ground. Suddenly he's told, take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. 
Had the ground suddenly become holy? Or had the ground always been holy and Moses was just suddenly aware, suddenly aware that he was on holy ground? A bush is burning. Moses stops, pauses, takes a look. And it says in this passage, as he turned aside to see this great sight, as he stopped and as he looked, it was at that point that God calls to him. In verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that Moses had stopped, when he saw that Moses had turned aside to the bush, then God spoke. I think that's really interesting. Because maybe we can learn something from that. Maybe everywhere we go is holy ground. It is holy ground. And maybe if, like Moses, we just stopped for a moment and we just paused to have a look at the burning bush, to hear the Spirit speak, to hear God speak, maybe we're walking around and we're doing life and we're completely unaware that everything is spiritual, that we are on holy ground. It's not here, and I've said this before, on a Sunday in the church building, but all that we do, everywhere we go, because we carry the Spirit of God in our lives. Perhaps we keep passing burning bushes that God wants to keep doing things and saying things and revealing things to us, and we're so busy and so doing our thing that we're just passing by these burning bushes and we're not stopping and we're not turning aside to hear and see what the Spirit might want to tell us. The Spirit is like our coach. He's on our side, there to guide us through our lives, speaking to us through all things, all the time. But we just need to tap into it, to be awakened to it, to access everything that the Spirit has and not just a tiny little small percentage. The Corinthians had this problem. The Corinthians were living as if the Spirit made no difference to what they did and who they were. And that's why Paul is writing to the Corinthians to try and teach them and say, look, hang on guys, you've got the spirit within you, it's got to make a difference. It's got to make a difference to your life. So Paul writes them in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's have a little look at this. Verse 10 to 15. And Paul says this, God has revealed to us through the spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is is himself to be judged by no one. See, what Paul was saying to them, was he was trying to teach them and tell them about the wisdom of God, about the wisdom of the Spirit. The Corinthians weren't taking advantage, they weren't tapping in to the wisdom of the Spirit. And they were seeking instead the wisdom of their day, the wisdom of the age that they were living in. They were looking to the secular reasoning for their guidance. And Paul is saying to them, no, you've got the spirit, you've got the wisdom of God to tap into. 
That's what you've got. And Paul describes them as people living as if the Spirit isn't within them, living almost in opposition to the Spirit, because they're, they're doing everything as normal, and they're seeking everything as normal, and they're looking to the world for all the normal things and for answers. And Paul's trying to say, look, no, guys, you've got the Spirit of God in you. The wisdom of the Spirit is there for them to access, but they were missing it, and instead they were trying to do everything by their own reasoning, by their own wisdom. I get in a bit of a pickle sometimes when I do things with my own reasoning and my own wisdom. It takes me places sometimes that isn't great. Sometimes I'm all right, but I think that's just because the Spirit's working in me. Because <laughs> me or my own, I get in a bit of a pickle. How does the great coach, the Holy Spirit, want to keep guiding us and want to keep leading us? He wants to do it through everyday things, all things, all the time. Obviously, the most important way that the Spirit guides us is through the Scriptures. We know that. The Spirit guides and directs us through the Scriptures. We look at Ephesians. It says about the armour of God, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It tells us the Word is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit will use the Word of God to speak to us. That's first and foremost it, isn't it? But we do need to read it. We do need to look at what the Word of God says for the Spirit to be able to guide us. To have wisdom, we need to be in the Scriptures, we need to be reading them. John 16 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Scripture is the authority of our lives. It's the Word of God, and the Spirit speaks through it. When we're making a decision about anything in a given situation... It's great, isn't it, to have prophecy in our lives. It's great for people to have a prophetic voice. But at the end of the day, prophecy comes through us, fallible, um, you know, people. So we've got to weigh it up. But scripture is God's word. And the spirit will speak to us. So to keep ourselves emerged in the word of God. But John Piper says this, which is a little aside, but I thought it was interesting. We must remember this. What God values most is our holiness in every decision rather than the decision itself. I think that's quite a nice little quote because sometimes we get really hung up on the decision. Like, you know, what is the will of God? What's the really right thing to do? And actually what this says is, you know, if we're giving the Spirit first place in our life, if we're making the Spirit number one, top priority, if we're honouring him, that's what's the most important thing. It's the holiness in the decision. It's putting God first. It's putting the Spirit first. So the Spirit guides us through scriptures and through the words of Jesus. We know in, in the book of Acts, Luke reminds his audience that the, the Spirit was associated with Jesus throughout his ministry. And just quickly have a look at these couple of verses. Acts one, um, Luke is saying, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So reading the words of Jesus, looking at the life of Jesus, who he was, what he did, his example to us, the Spirit will work through his life, won't it? To show us what the right thing is to do. The Spirit speaks through the Old Testament scriptures as well 
and the prophets, if you Acts 1, 16. Again, Luke's just speaking to them. Brothers, the scripture has to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Basically, what he was trying to do was show the people that the same spirit that was working today was working back then. What he was trying to do was saying, look, the spirit spoke through the great people like King David, the great prophet Isaiah. He was trying to point out to the people, his audience, and say, look, this is what the spirit was doing then, but it's the same spirit today, and you have access to that spirit. As believers, we have access to the same spirit that spoke through King David, that spoke through the prophet Isaiah, spoke to Moses. All these greats that we read about, it's the same spirit, isn't it, working in our life, in our situation. But this access, although it's a great privilege, carries great responsibility for us to listen and to obey. The fact that we have absolute access to God today and we can have the Spirit ever-present with us means it brings responsibility. But the Spirit speaks through the Bible... Time is against us, but the Spirit speaks through direct revelation into our lives. The Spirit can speak directly to us. The Spirit can speak through each other. I love it when I meet you guys sometimes at coffees or different things, or I meet my friends or my family, and you're having just a conversation, a normal conversation, and suddenly you just think, yeah, that's really touched me. It's like the Spirit is using that person to speak directly to your heart. But it's being open to this. It's not missing the burning bushes. It's being open, it's being aware, it's tapping in and saying, Spirit of God, I want you to speak to me through all things, yes, through your scriptures, but through other people, through direct revelation, through the world around us, through the everyday things. I mean, for goodness sake, I was watching Wimbledon and God spoke to me. It can be anything, anywhere, anytime. Just say, God, would you just continue to speak through things into my very heart? But it's being aware, isn't it? It's stopping, it's slowing down. When Moses heard the Lord from the burning bush instructing him to go to Egypt to free the people, because that's what was happening, isn't it? The burning bush happened. God spoke to Moses and said, would you go and free my people from Egypt? You have this conversation. Moses is all worried. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't know how he's going to go. And da, 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 da. And <laughs> it's just what it is. God says to Moses this, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, your God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let me close with this thought. And God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and says to him, Look, Moses, I want you to go and do this. And this is my name, this is the Lord. And he goes to say he goes on to say, I am, a great I am. That word Lord is used over six thousand times in the scriptures. And Rob Bell, if you know any of his work, he picks up on this idea and he says the Hebrew letters of Lord, L-O-R-D, the Hebrew letters are Y-H-V-H which we will recognise is pronounced yod Hey vah Some pronounce the name Yahweh. Yeah? Or Yahweh. The name of the Lord. And in many traditions that name isn't even uttered. That name is so holy and so mysterious that people don't really utter it. 
And in the Hebrew language, they function, these letters, they function as vowels, like breathing sounds. Essentially, the letters together are the sound of breathing. Yod, He, Va, He. I love that idea. Because he poses the question, he says, is the name of God the sound of breathing? We breathe all the time, as I said earlier. We breathe without even realising. And perhaps the Spirit of God is just like that. It's just like breathing. It's the very thing, it's the very essence of our existence on this Christian journey. Jesus says the Spirit of God guides us into truth. And maybe what we need is as close to us as breathing. God gives us the Spirit without limits. And just like we don't even realise sometimes, we're just breathing, we just take the breath. Is that what the Spirit is like? Ephesians chapter 4 says there's one God... One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In Hebrews 2, it says there's God for whom and through whom everything exists. Or as Jesus said it, God is spirit. See, the divine breath of God flows right through us. The divine breath of God is always flowing through us. It's flowing through you, it's flowing through me, it's flowing through the person next to you. And we now are on holy ground. And when we leave this building, we will still be on holy ground. For everything is spiritual. We have the spirit within us. God is right here all the time. And perhaps as we just slow things down, and if we just say, God, would you open up my heart and my mind always to you, to become aware of everything, to see God. I'm not saying you have to see God in absolutely everything, okay? I'm not one of these people that is, like, you know, pouring my cornflakes in the morning and going, this is God, or, do you know, not like that. But it's just being more open than we are at times. To become aware that it's the yod, Hey, va, hey, that we live and we move and we breathe. It's in the Spirit of God. And I invite the worship group to come back up. We're going to close with a final song. And as we do that, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings as well as our worship, as an act of our worship to God. But let's just think for a moment. Let's just think about that story of Moses. Suddenly he was aware he was on holy ground and he stopped and he turned aside and he looked at the burning bush and from that bush God spoke. I wonder this week whether we can say, God, will you make me aware that I am standing and I'm moving and I'm living on holy ground? And will you slow me down to stop and see the burning bushes around my life to see what you're saying to me? to speak to me through whatever it might be. It might be through the littlest things. It might be through somebody's words, somebody's messages. It could be watching Wimbledon. It could be anything. But we have a great resource within us. 
I don't want to get to the end of my life and realise I've only tapped into 20% of what God had for me or what the Spirit was doing. Let's stand together. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that over the last few weeks we've just been journeying and looking at your spirit within. God, I thank you that your spirit is with us all the time. Your spirit is on our side. We are sealed in your spirit. There's nowhere we can go to escape your presence. Your word is very clear. Whether we go to the heights or the depths, your spirit is there. We can't escape you. We don't want to escape you, Lord. You are with us always. God, I pray that as a church we would just become more and more mindful of the way that you will speak to us. That you would open up our hearts and our minds and our lives to be aware. God, we don't want to pass things by. We don't want to forget that we're on holy ground. We don't want to miss things and opportunities. Because your spirit is speaking with us all the time. Your spirit wants to move in our lives all the time. God, make us a people who know what it is to really tap in and draw from that rich well that you've got for us. Even in the darkness, even in the valleys, even in the depths of despair, even in the difficulties, God, we can draw from your well and we can find ourselves enriched. We can find ourselves enabled. We can find ourselves flourishing in you. Thank you, Lord. That your deep call to deep within us, Lord. Let us be open to hear from you. And let us act upon that. God, you might speak something quite scary to us. You might say something quite difficult. You did to Moses. But Lord God, I just pray that as we listen to you, we would know that you're with us and that you give us the power and you give us the boldness and you give us the courage. And whatever you say, Lord, we know that's the right thing for us. Right now, why don't you just ask the Spirit of God to speak into your life. To give yourself over and say, Spirit, speak to me. Come and move in my life. Let me be aware of what you are doing and where you want to take me. May we slow down. May we realise the Spirit of God in us is like breathing. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.